Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solis, and with me is my very talented friend, who is sometimes a sinner, but always a saint, the mixtress DC Gina. In the immortal words of uh, Billy Joel. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> It's very nice to see you, Louise. You as well. Hopefully one day we'll be sitting on a bar together. Band will get back together again someday. Soon. 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 Yes. Someday. So, so you know, it's St. Patty's Day. You know, it's coming up. Uh, so, but I want to talk to you about a few other the patron saints. I'm just wondering, you know, if, if you know some of these. And, and please, I, I pick some that I think that you will find relevant. With... Tax day quickly approaching. The tax man's going to come a-knocking. You might want to get acquainted with St. Matthew, since he, apparently himself, was a tax collector. And, as the weather warms, you and I might again find ourselves on a seaworthy vessel. And, like our poor friend, (laughs) Chef Adam Greenberg, we might be a little bit green under the gills. So, if that should happen, I think we should reach out apparently, to St. Elmo. Why? He is the patron saint of danger at sea, seasickness, storms, boatmen, mariners, navigators, sailors, and watermen alike. And speaking of restaurateurs, these two saints might need to be close to your heart, Gina. They might already be there. And it's St. Lawrence, who is the patron saint of chefs, and St. Nicholas, whose patronage of inns extends to restaurants. Yeah, that one I knew for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Comes across your lips every once in a while, huh? And um, for for this little podcast, Bernadine is our man. He is the patron saint of advertising um, because apparently he had a knack for messaging with few words and powerful messages. And I actually knew that one. Um, But yeah, uh, so those are a few fun facts about saints. Did I hit you with anything you didn't know? Uh, Yeah, a lot. Clearly, I did not know all of that. But I feel like my grandmother is like rolling around in her grave right now going, how do you not know all of this? So my grandmother had like every saint all over the house and we had like, and one over the kitchen sink, there was like a patron saint of like dishes and stuff and like, and family and meals. So sorry, grandma. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can make grandma, uh, Nona, you can make her proud because if you wanted to find out more about saints, you need look no further than the pages of the books written by today's designated drinker. He is a professor in the Great Text Program at Baylor University and and the author of Drinking with the Saints, Drinking with St. Nick, and Drinking with Your Patron Saints. He is Michael P. Foley. Welcome to the show, Mike. Well, thank you so much for having me. Welcome. I'm so happy. We're really, yeah, we're so excited to have you on the show. And um, before the show, I kind of let you know I rubbed in, in a little bit. I'm so I was so excited to receive your books. They were they're beautiful. They're well written. They're fun. They're entertaining. They're engaging, um, and they're great cocktails in them. So and I rubbed <laughs> it in to Gina that I got them and she didn't. Ha 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 ha. She usually gets all the all the good booze and then I get to drink one. Um, so I'm kind of I, I finally got one up on her. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping that your books are available but, on Amazon. Let's talk about your- I'll get them here and be like. Here they are. 
I only got to see them last night. <laughs> they are indeed. So don't okay. worry. Good. Uh, Louise's uh, edge will, won't last for very long. Never. <laughs> it never does. It never does. Not with this one. Uh, tell us about the inspiration behind these books. Well, so as you know, I've got three books, Drinking with the Saints, Drinking with Saint Nick, which is a holiday book, and Drinking with Your Patron Saints. And the basic idea behind them is to give you beer, wine, and cocktail suggestions for the feast days of the church year. And the way I came about this was, was actually kind of organic. Um, my, uh, my wife and I um, have six kids, which is uh, one reason to drink. And um, it's six times the reason to drink. Well, even more so. And my <laughs> wife uh, homeschools them. So uh, at the Ooh. end of the day, we could both use a drink. And we, so we have an evening cocktail in order to catch up on our day, exchange, you know, news items and what have you. But we also do enjoy observing the, the church year with our children, uh, you know, sort of spicing up the year with fun customs and traditions. So basically, it was only a matter of time before we put those two things together. And I can tell you one thing, it's a heck of a lot easier to make a cocktail for a saint than to bake a cake for a saint. And the payoff <laughs> is better too, so. Takes a lot less time. <laughs> So your first book um, is Drinking with the Saints, correct? That's right. And I, uh, I love it. It's the Sinner's Guide to a Holy Happy Hour. That's awesome. It's, a, it's, it's, again, Gina, I hate to brag, but it's such a beautiful book. I love the fact that like you go into the story of each one of the saints, because I'm going to tell you, I was not raised Catholic, so this is all news to me. But as a non-Catholic, I found it incredibly in, like engaging. It's, 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 and then you tie in a drink to it. I, I, I applaud you for this. It's, it's such a well-written book. Well, thank you. And the saint stories are a lot of fun. They stretch out over 2,000 years. And, you know, some of these legends, it's like a game of telephone. You know, some of these legends kind of grew over the years. And so some of the stuff that has been handed down to us is, is pretty bizarre. But it, it makes for a great story. Uh, the, and these are family stories. And like other family stories, there are going to be certain degrees of accuracy or inaccuracy. But you cherish them because it's just part of the family lore. And then the fun part is pairing a drink with it. It's, you know, you take a little creative liberty, if you will. Exactly. So there wasn't like any like, so tell, so this is perfect. I haven't seen the box, right? So I've only seen the cover. So if I'm a list, I'm listener and I'm listening to you, I, tell us what, how do you come up with a drink to pair with the saint? Like, are there certain fruits or something you're supposed to do? Tell us. Yeah. Give us the process. Oh, I, I basically, Gina, just looked for any connection I could possibly find. Now, it was a lot easier with the modern saints because we have a lot more information about their tastes. For example, uh, you know, Pope John Paul II has been canonized a saint. We know for a fact that unlike most Poles, he did not favor vodka. He just liked a little white wine cut with spring water. And um, we know he didn't like vodka because when he was Archbishop of Krakow in the 1950s, the KGB spied on him 
and kept uh, a thick dossier uh, in the hopes of finding some weakness of his that they could use to blackmail him with. And they were very disappointed that he wasn't much of a drinker <laughs> that he, uh, and that he didn't like uh, vodka. So we have, we have detailed information on, you know, thanks to the KGB and other things about uh, modern saints. Um, but with ancient saints, you know, it's, it, we don't know. And obviously they didn't have liquor as, as, uh, as we do today. Uh, so I would look for just various kinds of symbolisms. Um, you know, I, I, I am reverent towards the saints, but sometimes I can be a, a little cheeky. Uh, for example, uh, Saint Agatha was an early virgin and martyr whose breasts were severed by her Roman torturers. And so in Christian art, she's often portrayed holding a tray with her severed breasts on the tray. And so I found a prohibition era cocktail called Twin Peaks. And, yeah. uh, and that is her cocktail for the day. I know that cocktail. That's really funny. Oh, I, that's, that's, that is cheeky. I like that. That is, um, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that. Like I said, I blushed a little bit, which is makes the zooms tricky when you're doing a podcast. Cause normally you can't see the other person. So you don't know if you're making the, the person talking to you a little bit red in the face, but you nailed it. Um, that's crazy. That's what I think is that's what I think is so engaging and, and entertaining about these books. Not only do they have wonderful cocktails in them, but that something like that, that it's cheeky. You don't, it, it's, it's, a uh, it's really making light of a very, but, but I've got, I, I learned, I, I can learn the, the history behind that saint. I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. Um, my, my, on my birthday, which um, for all the listeners and Gina to remember, cause I like gifts, <laughs> it's July the 2nd. Miss that? It's July the 2nd. Um, the drink is, um, a godmother, which um, is a vodka and amaretto. That's like old shot. That's an old, old drink. Well, it's called the godmother. I would think it's pretty old. No, no, no. Godmother and godfathers were like, a, so I'm from New York. And, and like that's a godmother is a shot or an after dinner drink that you would get in an Italian restaurant all of the time. And, and if it was your birthday, they would add cream to that drink, a little bit of cream to the godmother, shake it up, and it's called an angel's kiss. <laughs> and then, and, and and then you get, and then it's just like another. It's like what you get on your, uh, you know, twenty first birthday. I was gonna say your sixteenth birthday. Nope, I mean your twenty first. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make me less of a sinner and more of a saint then? Since what the godmother? I think that's so funny. No, an angel. Oh. That's how I broke my foot on my 21st birthday. My <laughs> father put that on my birthday cake in an Italian restaurant. And there was one for all my friends. And we kept drinking them and drinking them. And then I walked on the street of Queens Boulevard in heels. And then I broke my foot. But I went out the whole night and danced on it. And then was really broken. And then I went to the hospital. And that is a very true story. Which saint should she have paid to wow. then, Michael? Gosh, I mean, well, there are so many things going on. There, I think we need a, several patron saints for that. <laughs> the patron saint of insurance. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to miss my 21st birthday. I'm like, it's fine. It was not fine. Anyway, um, I want to hear more. Tell me more about this book. I want people to pick up the book and want it. So tell me what, what do they go? What else? Yeah. All three of them. There's three. Well, of them. Uh, again, uh, it, 
I had so much fun writing this book. It was fun to pair beer, wine, and cocktails with uh, different saints. Uh, the big book, Drinking with the Saints, is the one that came out first. That's That one covers pretty much the whole year. Uh, the second book, uh, Drinking with Saint Nick, is a sort of telescoping of the Advent and Christmas seasons. So I don't cover every day of the year in Drinking with the Saints. So what I did for Drinking with Saint Nick is make sure that you had a drink for every day of uh, December, Advent, and the 12 days of Christmas. Um, and then finally, drinking with your patron saints is drinking with your patron saints. It's not organized according to the church here, but according to the various uh, patronages that the saints have. I just found... I just found the perfect one for me out of the St. Nick uh, recipe book, and it's um, for December 12th, I believe. Um, yep, and it's, um, of course, it's um, Our Lady of Guadalupe, and um, it's a tequila, lime juice, passion fruit with a, a, a lime wheel. That sounds perfect, and I just opened it up. I was just flipping through, and that came through. So, uh, that's it. Look up December 5th in that book. Okay. Do we have December 5th? That's the repeal of Prohibition. That is oh. right. Is there, is there a saint for that? <laughs> is there, is there? You know, there should be. There should be. There, well, there are a lot of different patron saints of beer and wine, um, especially because those are very you know, important staples in the ancient world. We don't have any modern patron saints of hard liquor. I think we, we need to work on that, actually. I would, I would like to volunteer to be the patron saint of Mezcal. <laughs> Ooh, yes. <laughs> or actually, Ron Cooper should be the patron saint of Mezcal since he brought um, he brought the Mezcal category back to uh, life. So I, I would say your saint for December fifth is Saint. Is it Sabas? That's right. Yeah. And um, the drink here that Mike picked was a solitude. Solitude is bliss. Dry vermouth, gin, uh, red uh, ruby, red grapefruit. Lime juice, this is a lot, chamomile syrup, seltzer water, and of course you garnish that with a grapefruit wheel. That sounds delicious, actually. I know, that sounds like you start. It sounds like one of those things that you have and you're like, that's super amazing for sure. That's what you start early in the day. How did you get into this? Like one day you just woke up, you're like, you know what? I'm just going to like put this together. I mean, like, tell us about you. Well, the funny thing is I mentioned my wife and I enjoy an evening cocktail together. Well, one night she, she went out with her friends and um, I was alone and I didn't want to drink alone. I like drinking with my, my drinking buddy. And, uh, but it made me really restless. So I kept thinking about drinking <laughs> and, um, and then suddenly it dawned on me, a book, Drinking with the Saints, that combines drinking with the church year. So I raced to my computer. I went on Amazon and I found that there were dozens of Catholic cookbooks and they're quite good. You know, they, they give all kinds of uh, recipes for various feast days, but there was not a single Catholic bartender's guide. And I thought, ah, this is a niche that cries out to be filled. <laughs> and so by the time my wife got home that night, I had written the preface, the introduction and the table of contents. I knew exactly what I wanted this book to, to do. That's awesome. So, Gina, I don't know if you realize it. Um, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, you're a Catholic theologian, correct? I mean, so it wasn't like you just randomly picked um, 
the saints. It was something you all of your passions just kind of like intersect. Exactly, exactly. And you know, as a Catholic, we like both drinking and saints, so both you know uh, fit hand in glove. Well, you kind of need to pray to the saint after you drink sometimes, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So speaking of that, let's talk about St. Patty's. Oh yes, that, one of the saints that most people know about is St. Patrick, yeah. and uh, and uh, but a lot of people don't know certain things about him. We all know he's the patron saint of Ireland, but he is also the patron saint of Nigeria. That's so random. Well, I think it's because of the Irish missionaries to Nigeria. So gotcha. Gotcha. They, they took a shine to it. So I, I have seen um, T-shirts that uh, have a shamrock and says, kiss me, I'm Nigerian. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Do they also turn the rivers green there too? <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's just Chicago. They may have a little more taste. Yeah. Us. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a dumb American tradition. That's funny. Yeah. I feel like Savannah does that too. Savannah, Georgia. They- I did. I went to St. St. Patty's uh, one time in Savannah, and I will tell you that that is a young person's event, and uh, I did question if there were any police left in Boston. That I mean, like the it, it, it's I guess the largest St. Pat- Patty's Day like celebration in the U.S. I, I was like, in, I would sure it was Boston, maybe Chicago, but it's in Savannah. It is uh, quite the. Um, Quite the event. Let's call it that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, where else can you wear shorts during St. Patrick's Day? I mean, you have to go someplace warm, yeah, right? And, and I'm not saying that all those people wear clothes the entire time either. So you're right. Warm, warm weather <laughs> might be a must. <laughs> I mean, I like, so, so tell, so what is, so we mentioned St. Patrick's Day. What is a drink that you like to drink on St. Patrick's Day? I, I do like Irish beer. I like Guinness. I like Murphy's. Um, as, and there's so many good Irish whiskeys from which to choose. Irish whiskey is on such a huge rebound. Uh, it's, it's exploding, and there's just so many wonderful things going on in that world. As far as a cocktail goes, I like one that's called, and I recommend this in the book, an Irish ale cocktail. It's basically a Moscow mule, but with Irish whiskey instead. Uh, it's, it's actually known by a couple of different names, but that's a, that's a good drink. It's refreshing. It fits uh, for springtime. Um, yeah, Irish ale. Yeah, I, yeah, Irish mule, right? That's what most people call yep. it, right? Yeah, just straight up. Um, speaking of that, I feel like I want to make a cocktail right now. Is that cool? Absolutely. Let's do it. Ready, Michael? I was wondering when it. you'd ask. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to be honest with you. I was, when I first, when we first, uh, you know, I got your information and everything, I was like, oh, let's do a traditional uh, cocktail. Let's, do, let's make a black velvet. That would be like with champagne, it's equal parts, uh, well, actually two-thirds of a stout beer, any stout beer that you like chilled, and then you top it up with a bit of um, champagne, or vice versa, you top it up with a bit of the, um, the beer. And then I was thinking about it, and I was like, as you showed me your books and everything, and I got totally inspired by you. And I was thinking, well, he's doing patron saints, but I have to tell you that our new Pope, uh, Pope Francis, um, he makes me laugh because he's always kind of a little bit in trouble. And he recently, he recently just said, uh, and, and it was in the news, I, I believe it was in uh, 20, it might have been 2019 or 2020, I think it was 2020. And he was, um, he was giving his um, mass and he said, 
the true holy water is, you know, whiskey. And, and, and I, and everybody freaked out up in arms. They were like, and he meant it in jest and obviously, and it was just really funny. But so I decided that we had to make a cocktail for him, right? So he loves whiskey apparently. And um, I love chartreuse and so does the monks. So we're gonna keep it, we're gonna put it all together, right? So I was like, why not? We'll do shot, we'll do scotch, chartreuse, a little bit of lemon and simple syrup, and we'll make it super simple so that people actually drink this drink. So um, I chose uh, an interesting scotch whiskey and it's called Halston Green. And I really like this one. So if you've never, if you've never had it, get it. And it's, it's, it's a three-year-old scotch whiskey. Um, it's really simple for cocktails. It's um, something I like to, you know, I like to play around with different drinks. And what we're going to do is we're going to take our, and I, and I thought it'd be, I thought it would be cheeky to put it in a wine glass or a large wine glass, like a goblet, like you were going to be receiving communion. Right. So, um, so what we're going to do is we're going to chill our wine glass and we're not going to serve this over ice. We're just going to set this aside and then we're going to fill our top of our shaker tin three quarters of the way fill with ice. And then the other side of our tin will have nothing in it as we build the cocktail. So we're going to do two ounces of our whiskey and hopefully Pope Francis approves. And then we're going to do um, one ounce. And, and this is subjective. If you are a big fan of, of chartreuse, I made this two ways. I did it one and a half ounces of scotch and one and a half ounces of chartreuse. And I thought it was really lovely, but it's a little bit more intense. But um, most people liked it two ounces of scotch and then one ounce of chartreuse. And then we'll do, do one ounce of lemon juice and 100% use fresh lemon juice, you know, squeeze it fresh. Please don't buy the lemon juice in aisle three of your grocery store that's been there for five years and the lemons are good for five years and you shouldn't use it in a drink. So we're gonna put in one ounce of the lemon juice and half an ounce of the simple syrup just to take the edge off of the heat from the chartreuse because the chartreuse is 100, over 100 proof, right? Do you, you know, how much was the simple syrup? I'm sorry. I, I'm making it as well. How much for the simple syrup? Half an ounce. Okay. Uh, half an ounce. And when you're making simple syrup, um, and I, I say this a lot, it's a one-to-one -one ratio, but the best way to make it is pour your water into a pot, get it to a boil, and then turn it off, add your sugar and stir it so that you don't overcook your simple syrup. It should be nice and clear. And that's the best way to make simple syrup. All right, so we're gonna add our ice. We are going to give it a shake. And we are not gonna serve this over ice. You can if you want to. I personally think it should be served up in a coupe or again in a goblet. And we are gonna strain it and get a little strain here. Really pretty color. Mm. And we're gonna take just a little bit of lemon peel, about the size of a, a quarter. And we're just gonna test it over the top and drop it in as our offering to communion. And that is it. So I, I hope that one day um, Pope Francis makes this drink and he's enjoying it on his lovely red chair, maybe under the, um, <laughs> you know, who knows? Anyway, cheers.
Cheers. <laughs> oh, that is so good. It's so smooth. Gina, that's wonderful. So easy. You know what? Let me ask you this question. What scotch did you use? Or whiskey? I what used, you use? uh, so my daily driver for a, a scotch for a cocktail is just black bottle. It's just an affordable blended mm. scotch. Um, then for, you know, a, a sipping scotch, I, I like something peaty, like an, an Isla, like a Lagavulin. Mm. Very nice. Lagavulin's delicious. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mix that. Although here's a very secret <laughs> sinny thing that's really cool to do when you had maybe too many scotches. You take um, you take the Lagavulin or something really smoke peaty like that, and you take your um, an eyedropper of like ice cold water. You switch it out with ice cold like fresh lemonade, and you add a couple of drops ice cold lemonade to your scotch like in the summertime for like an amazing scotch experience. And you can use chamomile. Uh, lemonade or, you know, chamomile like tea and you can do it. And what it does is it's so funny. You can taste different layers of scotch when you add uh, that little bit of citrus to it. It's a trick. Trick of like shitty scotch that people drink in Scotland. And then I found out that it works really good with expensive scotch because it makes it taste even better. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. I'm trying Gina, that. you're just talking about like eyedropper though. You're just, te- you're talking about drops. Yeah, like an stuff. eyedropper, like a little couple yeah. of drops yeah. here and there. And so just to cool it off. What I like about this drink is now I love scotch, which is kind of a funny thing. I like scotch. I'm not a whiskey or a bourbon. That's not my go-to, but I really do enjoy the peatiness of a scotch. But chartreuse is a little one that's a little harder for me to get into. Is you know the novice um, uh, cocktailer that I am, chartreuse is 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 a little harder for me to like find my, navigate my space into. I would say this cocktail is beautiful. This would be this is introduces somebody to chartreuse in a beautiful way where it's just it's very approachable. It's kind of like kind of like you, Gina. Very approachable. Oh. <laughs> and, and. No, I'm like the chartreuse that I gotta like put a wrapping around. <laughs> and it is my firm conviction that everyone should have a bottle of chartreuse on their shelf. It is an amazing liqueur. It is a it is a, a punch in the face the first time you try it. If, if you have it neat, you know, it's very high proof. But if you do sip it neat, you can you can taste such an, an array of different flavors as it passes over your palate. Once the burning sensation dies down, <laughs> it really is just, it's extraordinary. Once your eyelashes go back out, once they've uncurled. So how do you, do you drink it um, neat or do you put that over a rock? How do you do that? I will on occasion have it neat. I actually, um, I have a friend whose brother-in-law is a Carthusian monk where chartreuse is made. I mean, this, this chartreuse has an amazing history. It, um... It's it's been made by the same monastery for 500 years. Wow. Only two monks at any given time know the recipe, uh, and it's just committed to memory. It's a it's a tightly guarded secret. But uh, as I was saying, um, a friend, his brother-in-law is a Carthusian monk there, and they don't drink their own liquor recreationally, but they do use it medicinally. Uh, the charter house is located high in the French Alps and it's this drafty old building. And when one of the monks catches a cold, they will take a tablespoon of chartreuse 
and it will it'll nip it in the bud. And it's true. It actually I have tried it. It actually works. It's it's an herbal liqueur. It's made from over 120 handpicked herbs, and it will either cure your cold, or if it doesn't, you're still enjoying chartreuse. So it's a win-win. Yeah, you're you're you're, you're tipsy, and you don't even know. <laughs> you don't know. I have um I have a bottle of um, 1940. Um, wow. bottle of chartreuse yeah. eau de vie before World War One. I. I mean, World War Two. excuse me. And I literally, once a year, I open it and take a little bit of it and that's it. It's so delicious. And I wish it would come back to make the eau de vies again. But like you're saying that only two people ever knew during the war, they lost both those. They lost one of those people that made that, made that eau de vie and they've never made it again. That's insane. And that's why they made the VEP now because it's the it's what they think is the closest version of it, but it's not. I have they have obviously have it to compare it to, and I'm sure that someday down the line it's going to show up somewhere. But like it is such a beautiful product, and it's insanely delicious, and it's my special treat. Um, and I and I, I haven't even shared it with my husband. <laughs> I don't think. Maybe I have. No, Poor I Neil. I did once. And then yeah. he was like, I don't really like chartreuse. I'm like, I'm like, well, then never drink this again. <laughs> well, if you don't really like chartreuse, I'm not wasting the OTV on you. That's for sure. Well, I mean, the truth, but that's the truth to all of it, right? Like I often get people because of the show and because I get to hang out with people like Gina and, you know, I, I get to borrow her knowledge. I get a lot of people who ask me, what should I drink? And I'm always like, you should drink what you like first and foremost. There are, you know, and I can help you understand maybe how to moderate or how to choose better. But first and foremost, last time I checked, we got one liver. So you yes. burn it out on whatever that's you true. like. That's true. with with the one exception yeah. of, of white Zinfandel. But again, if you drink real. white Zinfandel, you are a bad yeah, person. Yeah, just go. But, but other than that, oh. I mean, you're committing a sin against grapes when you <laughs> when you drink white Zinfandel. But other than that, I agree with you, Louise. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's Don't you amazing. know the old trick of bartenders? Of like someone came in, and they asked for white Zin. We take white wine and like a, a dash of grenadine and put it in there. But like, here you go. Oh, oh. And like, I really think terrible. that most ladies really don't like Zinfandel. They like white wine with a dash of grenadine. So, I, you know, I've never done <laughs> so it to somebody, but I've seen people do it. I'm always like, that's just so wrong. I'm <laughs> right, right, Neil? Neil, it was a dash, it was white wine and a dash of grenadine to make Zinfandel, right? White Zinfandel? <laughs> oh, and a half a packet of Sweet and Low. I forgot. The, that's it. Ooh. That's right. It was a half a packet of Sweet and Low. See, I think I think you'd have to go to communion after that, just because that's just the crime. <laughs> All right. So, Gina, where are they going to go to get this uh, recipe? They're going to go to designateddrinker.show. They're going to go to designateddrinker.show to get the tips, <laughs> tricks, and how-tos, and a link to where to get Michael Foley's book. And... Maybe you could pick your favorite patron saint and make a new drinking game. So you'll have to get the book to do that. And you turn a page and that would be your patron saint for the night. And how many times can you use that word in a sentence? And that's it. There you go. There you go, Michael. That's beautiful. We're done. <laughs> that's awesome. There she goes. She's <laughs> so yes, to Gina's point, you just go to designatedrinker.show. We'll have links to all three of your books, Mike, absolutely. So anyone wants, and I highly recommend them. One, as an art director, creative director, I love the texture of the 
of the exterior of the books, like the, the, the embossing, everything is amazing. It's all beautiful, beautiful books. They're books that you're going to want to put on your shelf. Um, you're going to want to crack them open because they have amazing stories on the inside. I just started last night. We had a friend who stopped over and I was writing notes for the show and he stopped over and I did exactly that. I did exactly what you said, Gina. I'm like, so this is the patrons, the saints name. Guess what they did? And I was like, okay, guess what this one did? And they're like, because I was looking at the most obscure things um, because it, it was really fun. And it's it's just, and then we got into a, 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 a discussion about idols and current that, state of affairs. And best, it, was, it was right? really fun though, that's because it was adult conversation about like real stuff, but it was fun. Absolutely. The books are amazing. You know, all of that together. Yeah. And then like, you, you know, books a better idea or a conversation or a new drink. And I've never, and I have, and I was inspired by Thank you, Michael. Well, you, so your you cocktail is magnificent. Oh, and absolutely. I should also mention absolutely. to you and your oh, fans, there is one patron saint you should all get to know, and it's Saint Bibiana. She is the patron saint invoked against hangovers. Well, she might, she's. Yep. Yep. So my, my toast for her oh. is. Oh no! The I need to have that Saint like, Bibiana, on, on, like we never need arm, the intercession so of Saint Bibiana. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, Michael, we have another question. Last question, yes, Louise, ready? <laughs> All right. So, in this crazy day and age, everybody has this identified last themselves. Question. Here you go. This is—it's um, all you, Mama. Animal or you know. Uh, a magnificent beast or some made up thing, uh, you know, and, and maybe, um, you know, you identify yourself with a timber rattlesnake because they're usually very calm and they strike only when bothered. If you could be or identify yourself as one ingredient, whether it be food in food or in a cocktail, what would it be and why? So what would be one ingredient to identify yourself with? I aspire to be chartreuse, <laughs> but I'm, I'm probably more like Gordon's gin. <laughs> I love that. <Ooh. laughs> why? Tell me oh, why. Go. Because it's excellent. And it's, uh, it's just the, the product of excellence. Um, and it, it brings joy to the heart. Uh, it's yes, it's a noble liqueur. So who wouldn't want to be chartreuse? <laughs> And, you know, only the worthy drink chartreuse. So I'm not going to, you know, end up like a malt liquor being abused. I'm <laughs> going to be treated with respect. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that, that is perfect. Mike will not be put in a brown bag, All right. damn it. <laughs> I love I love the fact that Gina, you picked a cocktail for this designated drinker that was so on the nose. With I love it because you've not even you've never even spoken. It was an to interception. I, I like that. There must be some patron saint like made it all happen. <laughs> well, Mike, it was a pleasure to meet you and cheers. cheers. Absolutely, absolutely can't wait to go through the books and find more recipes till we can all be together again. Be safe. Take care. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, 
a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers, Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Links League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.